Welcome to OCD Whisperer Podcast. This is your host, Christina Orlova. Here we talk about all things OCD. If you're looking for help, download my free OCD Survival Kit. It's packed with resources and bonus worksheets to support you on your journey. Go to www.coreresults.com. Welcome to OCD Whisper Show. Today with me, I have Nathaniel Van Kirk. Dr. Nathaniel Van Kirk is a licensed clinical psychologist specializing in obsessive compulsive disorder and currently serves as the director of psychology for the OCD Institute at McLean Hospital. And he's the president of OCD Massachusetts. His clinical research uh, specialty focuses on the role of motivation across treatment and the impact of trauma and comorbid PTSD on treatment outcomes in OCD. Nathaniel is involved in regional and national efforts to reduce mental health stigma, focusing on the importance of bridging the gap between therapists, researchers, and those with lived experience. Following personal experiences overcoming OCD, he co-founded the Therapists and Trainees with OCD Special Interest Group, supporting those with OCD and related diagnoses who work in the mental health field and as part of McLean Hospital's Deconstructing Stigma campaign. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. So I know I reached out to you because I actually looked through what you're working on and I thought, how amazing is this? One is that, you know, you mentioned having lived experience. But two, also this whole topic of motivation, right? I think, well, I know for sure, you know, clients and just people alike, right? Oftentimes we'll talk about things like motivation. So I guess if we can start with, you know, what has your research found out about the role of motivation for treatment? Sure. I mean, so motivation is always a pretty interesting topic in the sense that it's one that everybody feels fairly familiar with since we talk about it colloquially so so much, whether or not you're talking about treatment or treatment or just kind of a part of the way we think about things. Um, but what makes it so unique is that a lot of times we talk about it colloquially, but we're not really sure what it means. When you actually kind of pause and think about like, how does this apply specifically to things like OCD treatment or, you know, what do I mean by I do or don't feel motivated? Sometimes it's actually a little hard to kind of put it into words. Um, and so part of the way that I kind of came into this research uh, during grad school was actually trying to look at, uh, trying to better understand what are the factors that go into uh, someone kind of falling into what we might call the category of treatment refractory, see, where someone's tried like empirically based treatments multiple times, but really not had the optimal outcome or optimal effect. Um, and what are the ways that we can identify some of these factors and think about kind of proactively, how can we address them or kind of match individualized treatments and empirically based treatments to the to the person and to like the presentation and what other factors are going on? And one of the ones that kept coming up in the literature was motivation. Um, there's a lot of discussion about the fact that treatment motivation is one of like it's really one of the most commonly cited reasons for treatment non-response, treatment dropout. But then there was also sort of like this void of all right, well, how do we think about motivation in OCD? Now, since grad school, which was a little bit longer, I think, in the past than sometimes I think it was, mm-hmm. uh, there's been a lot of like growth in kind of that area is how we think about it. Uh, but that was really how I got into this, was trying to figure out, well, how can we help people engage with treatment? How can we make treatment better? And how can we kind of work with those with those who struggle with OCD or other things where just there's, there's something in between that step of going engaging in treatment and you know, finding that recovery that we all know is possible. And how can we help people through that process? 
Yeah, I mean, I think you're hitting on so many kind of big and important kind of concepts here, right? And, and it's true. I mean, I think a lot of people and anybody listening or watching right now will agree that at times we may not have motivation, right? We get very demotivated or we can be really hard on ourselves or we have life events happening that, you know, kind of get in the way of things. Um, and with that in mind, I think a common thing that I know people ask um, is, you know, how can somebody motivate themselves, especially when we're talking about OCD treatment? And, and you know, in this point, I'm going to just reference because anybody listening, they know I've talked about inference-based CBT, exposure response prevention, acceptance commitment therapy. So really here, I kind of would say if we're talking about exposure response prevention and acceptance commitment therapy, we're really kind of that that's a big place where I hear things like, oh my gosh, I have to face this thing. You're telling me I have to I have to do this thing that I, I hate, I don't want to, or or is to have the words that are so scary and just seems immoral for me to do. So what would you say to that? You know, I, I think that one of the, the first thing I would say to that, and a lot of what we do kind of clinically is actually trying to break down some of the myths around motivation. You know, I think when you're going through really and facing really challenging things in life, it's easy to say like, there must be something wrong with me. I just don't have what it takes or I'm, I don't have motivation. One of the statements that I always used to hear when leading motivation groups was, this kind of idea that motive, I get what motivation is, but I also know it's just something I don't have. Um, and so I think that's one of the biggest myths sometimes that like, and especially when OCD gets involved, it can kind of feel like that. And so one of the first things I always like to do is try to think about one, how do we define motivation and what is it that we're actually talking about? Cause a lot of times we might be talking about very different things and uh, you know, just also at different times in our life, we might be thinking of motivation differently. The other piece is kind of breaking this myth of like, that, that as humans, we have this, we don't have motivation, right? Trying to, that when there's difficulty engaging in something, that means I don't have motivation. So there's been some really great work um, around uh, a, a theory of motivation called self-determination theory that I really like when it comes to OCD treatment, um, because it really characterizes motivation as this ongoing dynamic thing that's always sort of changing, that is influenced by external environmental factors, by internal factors like your emotions, anxiety, stress, you know, happiness, enjoyment, all these things sort of come into play. And they always talk about motivation is, is inherently dynamic. It's always changing. And the, one of the most important pieces is what is the direction that it's going in? And so that's usually one of the first places that I would I would start is trying to challenge the idea that we don't have motivation, um, and kind of reframe it in this idea of like it's not having not having motivation, it's that the motivation might be pointed in an unhelpful direction. And so the reason that I always say that is because if you know just to have OCD, right? There's a lot of per perseverance and a lot of motivation that goes into completing rituals. And I always like to frame this for people that a lot of people just straight up give up. Like, you know, after hour one, it's like, all right, you know what? I'm bored of this. I don't feel like doing this anymore. I'm done. But when you struggle with OCD, you know, hours upon hours upon hours, that is motivation. In many ways, that's motivation in, in a very pure form to be able to persist at something that long. I think the challenge becomes when you're recognizing that that motivation is pushing you in an unhelpful direction that's keeping you stuck and trying to figure out, well, how do I shift directions? The analogy I always like to give, it's sort of like an elephant on a unicycle on a tightrope. You know, once the momentum gets going, they're off and it's good to go. But the most unstable moment is the moment where you try to pause and change directions. Mm -hmm. I think that's also true with motivation because there's always kind of these competing 
um, internal experiences, be it anxiety, guilt, shame, fear, that go kind of in both directions. And so I think that's the first one, um, is challenging that idea that motivation is just something I don't have and helping people notice that they do have a lot of it. We just got to figure out how to direct it differently. Yeah, I love that. And I, I love that highlighting that actually you, you're you kind of already doing it, but you're not realizing it, right, with your rituals because you are. I mean, you're motivated by fear, of course, and but still you're motivated and you're, you're, yes. you're I mean, that's just, I think, such an incredible thing for anybody listening to kind of clue in and realize like, yeah, wait a second, I actually am inherently doing it, just not realizing it. Right. And I think that's actually, you know, something that happens a lot in, in OCD, especially if you think about the role of uncertainty, right? Like we accept uncertainty every day without even giving ourselves credit for it. Every time we get in a car, every time we walk outside when it's raining and we say, all right, I'm going to carry this giant, you know, piece of metal in my umbrella one place to another. And I don't really think about the fact I'm going to get struck by lightning because I functionally just need to go. That's right. We do these things every day and part of it's giving ourselves credit for it and then using that to help push us that next step when we're faced with a new challenge. Yeah. And so if I'm hearing you right, so part of it is if somebody's looking to kind of figure out how to motivate themselves is pausing and realizing, first of all, you already have motivation in your life and kind of taking a step back. And then if I'm hearing you correctly, it's also looking at, well, what is really motivating me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I think one of the other that goes with that, one of the biggest myths that I that I also kind of come across that I think is important to break is the idea that there's this good or bad motivation. I think sometimes, especially with OCD, we can get stuck in this idea that I have to have the right motivation. If I figure out like, what is that exactly right way to be motivated? Everything will fall into place. Yes. And a lot of times, you know, just starting with defining what motivation actually is. So a lot of times they talk about in the literature is an internal force that sort of moves an organism to engage in a particular behavior. That can be sort of challenging when we think about things like ERP or treatment, where really you're trying to motivate yourself to resist a behavior or stop a behavior that has brought you some sort of comfort or sense of safety. And so, you know, kind of even reframing that idea of like, all right, motivation can be fairly ambiguous. So sometimes we just need to get a little more specific. And one of the ways that I really, I really enjoy this definition of it, which is the idea of, you know, it's an inherent drive to engage and develop. And it involves willingness and desire for change that comes from within. But a good part of a good kind of addition to that is also acknowledging that motivation also is impacted by external by our interpretation of external factors so that within includes the way we are interpreting what's happening around us and i think that's kind of this other piece of is motivation good or bad i always encourage people it doesn't really matter what got you here what gets you through that step in treatment we know external motivation or external motivators can be super helpful at times right like as kids we took out the trash because we were paid and we wanted money to do whatever hobby you had. As an adult, like no one's paying me to take out my trash, but over time of doing it, I sort of found this inherent value of like, all right, I don't want my house to smell like trash. So I'd still take it out, even though it's not super fun. But it's that idea that over time you can change your motivations for something, but what gets you started, there's no good or bad about it. It's kind of using whatever you have to take that first step. Um, And then as you do something over and over again, like ERP or treatment, looking for for kind of that inherent value in it. What are you gaining from it? What is it helping you achieve? Or what new things do you get to do that are fun and you enjoy because of it? And using those to bolster that motivation across time. 
I love that. I, I think that's exactly right. I mean, I, I, you're hitting it just the nail on the head. I, I love it. That's exactly right. I mean, I, th- I think the biggest piece, so I also have OCD and lived experience. And I will say bef- like before, you know, obviously, I think everybody will relate before you realize it's OCD. You're struggling and you're kind of going through the motions and yeah. feelings are all over the place. And it's just really rough. And then you suddenly have this moment where you're like, oh, this is OCD. Oh, that's what this is. And then when you actually start to do the work, I will say for me, like I loved not always, but imaginals because as difficult as they were at times, but what I loved is the end result, which is they allowed me to kind of go through that ride. And then I was able to breathe through moments, right. And and stay connected and really take that next step and kind of come back to myself, come back to kind of, okay, what is actually going on here? Re-engage with reality and, and go on about my day. And you know, and start to practice to see that, you know, like, wait a minute, there's a lot more I can do than I give myself credit and realize. And and everything you're saying, I think is it's all of that, right? It's it's helping people bring yeah. that back and make that connection. Yeah, I think that's a, a wonderful example of it. You know, and because when you think about, <laughs> I always I always hate to say that, like sometimes you know, certain like commercials get things right, but in some ways, one of the big myths about motivation is that there's like this magical way to do it. When honestly, Nike kind of got it right. Like you really just got to start it and then see what comes from it. And sometimes, like you said, like that excitement after might surprise you, but that's what keeps it going. Um, and <laughs> I think when we talk about motivation in some, some ways too, there's also, I always remind everybody that doing something to avoid negative internal feelings is a very human thing. OCD just sort of took that and like ran with it. Right. But we all do that. And so sometimes it's harder to find what is that, that reason to feel uncomfortable and, and what is the motivator to sit with that feeling and then go do something fun. Um, you know, one of the ways I always enjoyed when doing like exposures that I tried to figure out how to, you know, integrate this into like as a, as a method of life, sort of, as I was going through, you know, college and, and going into my recovery and into grad school. And one of the things that I always found that was helpful was, you know, picking up new hobbies or things that were somewhat um, pushed my boundaries, if you will. You know, I had one of the things I struggled with was contamination. And there was, I remember when I first started rock climbing, there was kind of that idea that there's nothing more motivating to not like when you put your hand into a hole and you just hear like a a crunch or a squish and like, you're like, oh no, like I just, man, I had concerns around bloodborne pathogens and illness, stuff like that too. And it's like, what was that? Like how much blood is on my hand? Are my hands cut? And then you really want to look at it and wipe it off. There's nothing better than hanging 30 feet in the air by a rope to be like, I'm not sure I want to actually take my hand out of here and take a look. So I'm just going to keep <laughs> on going. And it kind of like really, really helped put that, you know, decisional, that decision point kind of in perspective at times. You're like, oh, I, I can choose these, these differences. And as I went forward, that anxiety became part of like the exhilaration of sort of climbing. And they all just sort of became one after the fact. So it was a way to kind of keep myself moving forward and trying new things and have a little fun in the process. I love it. I think that's wonderful. That's such a great thing to hear. I, I didn't quite think of that example before, but I think that's great. <laughs> exactly. I, I mean, again, you're highlighting the point that we we do make these decisions like these more often than not. But again, the kind of the trick of OCD brain is how we'll get very biased and very hyper-focused on just one aspect yeah. and really completely discount all this other data that we have. Um, right. Very much you know, so. 
Yeah. Well, with this, I have one more question for you, which, you know, anybody listening, because sometimes I have also people who are loved ones. And of course, their common question is, you know, how do I, and I hear this very often with teens and also just, you know, parents or significant others, whatever, but how do I help motivate if I love somebody with OCD, whether again, I'm a, I'm a partner, a friend, but typically I, I find more partners or, or, you know, family members. How do I motivate that person um, that I'm worried about? That's a really great question. And, you know, I think we can kind of lean back on some of the literature, too, about what we know enhances motivation to try to find ways. And we do this kind of as, as treatment providers. A lot of times we'll use this. But there's some some data out there that there are kind of three main components of increasing motivation, especially more autonomous or self-directed motivation. One of those is having a sense of autonomy or choice. So this belief that I have a choice in what I'm choosing to do. Um, and so a lot of times you can kind of take like a collaborative approach with, with your loved one, uh, family member, just as a way of like giving options and helping them think through the choices and eliciting like from them, like, what are the things that you do want to do? What are the experiences you want to have? And are there ways that we can maybe integrate that into our daily life or do that together so that it's sort of like a discussion versus, uh, you have to do this because as humans, right, if we're told we have to do something like inherently our first thing is like, no. Not right. happy. Even if we want to do it, we just have a tendency to double down when someone tells us to do something. So taking this kind of like collaborative approach can be really helpful. It also takes a little distress off as you as a loved one of I have to find the right thing that we're kind of going through this together. The other is the relatedness piece. And we know that kind of you know social relationships, feeling connected to others or feeling understood by others is another way that we actually enhance internal motivation. And so, you know, as loved ones, I always encourage people to continue to invite you know, the, the individual who's struggling with OCD to events, continue to do things, continue to encourage them to join you, you know, try to have game nights, find ways to do kind of those fun things. And I think that's a really important way to, to also approach it. And then the last one is this idea of kind of competence um, or the sense that there's a sense of mastery, like I can actually do this. And we, as, as you know, you kind of alluded to like in OCD, right? That's one of the first things OCD sort of takes away from you is this belief in yourself. So also finding things that, you know, individuals feel confident doing excel and start there, just kind of get the ball rolling and then integrate stuff from there. Um, doesn't have to jump all the way to the end. So I think those are some of the ways that I would think of it kind of clinically um, that can be helpful that as a family member are just ways to, to work together to find those things that are that are helpful in in motivating us to move forward. Um and then there are also the elements of as you reduce accommodation, you know, and knowing, you know, as someone going through it, I remember as a, as a team, like, I hated that concept. I was like, this is a terrible idea. Who came up with this? Why? <laughs> you know, don't, don't tell my family not to help me. Like, it's terrible. Now I'm quite thankful for it because that was a big part of what helped push me to find the reason. Um, and, you know, I'd say that's probably one of the biggest things is just being collaborative and transparent with that process and understanding the reason why and holding that line, even when it's hard, knowing that over time, we know that you're doing this for us because we're collaborating on this together. And a lot of times that the fact that you're willing to hold that line can actually really be helpful in taking that next step um, kind of in treatment and getting that process going. Um, the one last thing I would say, and I know this is sort of a, sorry, this is sort of a long winded answer. Um, no, this is great. <laughs> is, um, 
the idea of trying to help break the, the, the idea that everyone else just inherently is motivated to do these things. I think when we talk about motivation, a lot of times, colloquially, especially, we're usually talking about a very specific type of motivation. And that's that intrinsic motivation, right? Like, I'm supposed to want to do exposure. I'm supposed to want to do treatment. I'm supposed to want to take out the trash every day because, you know, everyone else seems to love taking out the trash. When, in, you know, reality, we, we do a lot of things as humans that we don't particularly enjoy doing, but we do them because the function of it allows us to achieve something that we enjoy. But when we talk about intrinsic motivation, intrinsic motivation is a very rare form of motivation. It's like, it's truly doing something for the pure joy of the action itself, not because of any outcome or consequence or anything you get in return. There are very few things that we do just for the pure joy of the activity itself that has nothing to do with any kind of reward that we might get from it. And I think that's important for everyone to remember is that there isn't the, this magical type that like always feels good. And most people do things that don't feel great. Intrinsic motivation is very rare. That's not the goal. The goal is sort of just to find that inherent value and purpose. Well, I'm doing this thing because of blank. And it's okay if I don't really enjoy it but I enjoy the process and the outcome as it goes. And then eventually I find that thing that I love doing, like playing video games. Like I'll never get, never good enough to get paid to play video games, but I still love doing it and losing. And that's okay. I do it for the joy of it. Not anything that I tangibly that I get out of it. And I think that's also important to differentiate this idea that that's what we're supposed to have versus that's actually quite rare. And sometimes that in and of itself can just be helpful in allowing people to, to try to make this the next step, even if it doesn't go as planned. I love that. And I, I mean, every anybody listening right now, I 100% want to second that, highlight it, bold it, because I, I think that's exactly right. We can be so hard on ourselves and and really get, for whatever reason, stuck on this notion that things have to be a certain way or it has to be perfect or it has to be right or or I'm doing something wrong or whatever it is. And just realizing you can relax, take a breath, right? It's okay. And it's not, it, things are not so, you know, all or nothing, Right, yeah. that it's that things are not so in, intense in one direction or another, and and um, yeah, and I love that that distinction that you just made about you know like yeah, find the thing that actually what what the value you get out of this, right, and then and not right. just that, but the the process and the joy from the process. And who knows, maybe at some point you'll be doing exposures, things like that, and like you said it earlier on, all of a sudden you'll be like, it's kind of fun to see how far I can push myself. All right, like it's a little terrifying, but it's kind of exciting too. And then maybe you find another reason for motivation because you're just seeing what you're capable of. You know, I, I always try to encourage people too as they're going through treatment to remember that there's nothing scarier than what your mind can create for yourself. So if you can really kind of conquer the fears that your mind kind of throws at you during uh, going through OCD, there's really very few things in life that you can't face or overcome because there's nothing that's going to be scarier than what OCD throws at you. On a oh, day yeah. Day. Yeah. OCD is very intense, right? When it hits, it hits and it just, everything gets very jumbled and it gets very catastrophic very yeah. quickly. It's like rapid fire. Yeah. Very much so. And always tailored to your, to your own worst fears. It's an unfortunate side effect of playing chess against yourself. Right. That There you go. That's a great analogy too. That's right. <laughs> well, I want to say thank you so much for coming on and talking about this. I know this is an extremely valuable topic. Um, if anybody wants to find you, how can they find you? Probably the best way is uh, you can uh, look at my McLean Hospital profile. Uh, it has my email address on there. Um, or you can feel free to, to send me an email. That's probably the, the best way to reach me. Um, you know, I always say like, 
I apologize if I don't get back right away, but I, I will get, I promise I will get back to you. If it's been a little bit, feel free to email me again and I will totally understand. Um, but yeah, the, probably the best way is you can find kind of my email and, and contact information on McLean Hospital's website under the staff bios. Um, you can just look me up and it's all listed right there. And if people, anyone has questions, happy to, to answer any questions that I can, um, provide any resources um, or otherwise moving forward. And thank you so much for having, for having me and for doing this podcast for the OCD community. It's wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to OCD Whisperer Podcast. If you want to take your recovery journey to the next level, our online class, Be OCD Free ERP Mindset, may be the right thing for you. It features video lessons, journal prompts, and worksheets designed to help you break the OCD cycle. Access it now and start thriving today at www.coreresults.com forward slash e-learning. All links are in the show notes.